Welcome to the Location Indie Podcast, an unfiltered, behind-the-scenes, no-holds-barred look at the realities of the location-independent lifestyle from two guys who are living that lifestyle. I'm Trav. And I'm Jason. We're the co-founders of Location Indie. And you may have noticed there was no timer in this episode, Trav. Yes, that's because once a month, we're going to be rolling out a very special bonus episode for you where we're highlighting one of our Location Indie members and their story of how they became location independent. We're going to be doing that today. So let's get into it. So I'm super excited to welcome this month's location in the end of the month, Rob Sanchez. Rob, congrats and a huge welcome. Hey, thanks so much, Trav. It's awesome to be here, man. I'm really pumped. And uh, Rob and I have a ton to dig into and you guys are going to love Rob's story because it is this in my mind, this location indie dream encapsulated, right? And I know you're just at the beginning, (laughs) not to put too much pressure on you, uh, but you're just in the beginning of this process, but you've done so much in such a short time period. I think that's one of the things that I've been inspired by is you coming in and saying, hey, this is my dream. And then just working towards it diligently day after day after day after day. And we're going to get into that. But first, let's start with what you do, how people can find out more about you, your websites, things like that. So if they're listening, like, all right, I want to figure out more about Rob, tell them where they can go. Sure. Uh, Yeah. So my name is Rob Sanchez. Um, You can find me on my site. My site's just robsanchez.me. So I'm a freelance app designer, project manager. So I basically uh, work with small uh, organizations and individuals and kind of act like a remote product manager. Um, So I basically... We'll help them both on the actual design front, so building the actual interfaces, but also just managing the whole process, working with their developers or our developers. Um, so I work with small teams that I've worked with for a long time. Uh, so that's kind of what I do uh, by day, I guess, for money. Um, I, I do really enjoy it, but I'm also working on building my own lifestyle business right now. Uh, tried a bunch of things. Man, that's like, I've tried so many things in the past. And uh, you know, right now I'm trying to work on something that's basically around the like local tours and activities business. So I'm not sure exactly what it looks like trying a different bunch of different avenues right now, but um, I'm excited to just continue that journey of trying things and failing and then, you know, continuing forward. So, Yeah. Before we get into to that whole process, because that is something that I want people to take away is this idea that, A, you have a quote unquote real job and, and you do it for money, like you said, and you enjoy it some, but you're also on the side house. So we're going to get into that in a moment, but I want to back it up a little bit and kind of talk about why this idea of location independence even exists to you and where did it come from and how did you first find out about it? Was there this aha moment that you said, wait a second, this is the type of lifestyle I want? Yeah. So, oh man, it goes back a while. Um, I'm going to say like a decade, you know, kind of throw back to Jason's Jason spotlight last month. It kind of puts, you know, I just turned 32, but um, yeah. So I think about I don't know. I've always, I think, lived unconventionally or wanted to at least. And so when I was pretty young, I always wanted to start a company. Um, Not sure exactly where that all came from, but so come 20 years old, I was dropping out of, you know, probably my third school, ended up trying six total, (laughs) never got the degree. Um, But, you know, so I was trying to start a, like a tech company, like more like a startup back then. And, um, you know, I did, did decently well for being 21, 22 years old, you know, raised a small bit of money. And so I was really involved in that scene for a while. And I really liked it because it was, 
it was doing something new and something really interesting. But at the same time, it was, uh, I learned through the course of, you know, three or four years that it was not the lifestyle I wanted to live at all. You know, it was just so draining, so taxing on like, you know, mentally and emotionally. And uh, I needed to take a step back from that. Um, that had actually brought me out to California. I, I moved out there with a the small startup um, and we raised like a million dollars and the whole California dream thing. But I just needed to take a step back from it. And um, the next couple years there were, uh, you know, trial and error, exploring a bit more about myself. Um, but I'd always wanted to jump back into this, you know, and um, recently, you know, I kind of had the perfect job in a sense, like day job in, in an actual location. I worked at um, what at the time was the Google self-driving car project. And like, it was awesome, man. I mean, if you're going to have a job like this is the job you want, like all the perks and all that crazy stuff. But what was awesome about it for me is that it allowed, I worked in the afternoons. So I got the mornings to kind of refocus on myself, you know, both like, you know, just working out and also getting back into the app design, all the stuff I used to really love and care about. And, um, and I think sometime maybe like a year, year and a half ago, I found your guys podcast amongst other ones. And, um, it, I think put back in my mind that this is possible. This is something that can actually be achieved. I was hearing other people's stories doing it. And I think I kind of lost that belief for a while. I kind of like normalized myself. Um, and, and so, you know, coming into the community really gave me that belief and my dreams kind of shaped over time and my wife's dreams kind of changed, but coming into the community, I think was really gave me that spark. One of the neat things about hearing that Rob is that you, you were in the tech world and you kind of, you had this dream, like you said, of, of being a startup and you achieved that and to, to a pretty high level of success and then pulled back and then kind of went back in that world, but not as full throttle, then pulled back and now you're going back into it. But again, each time it's been a little more on your own terms where you're saying, I like this world. I just don't like the lifestyle that, that it affords me if I'm doing it full bore for someone else. Is that a fair assessment of kind of how you've had a relationship with the, with the tech world? Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I think that I'm really always been fascinated by tech, but it's, it's not something I want to go all in on. You know, I was trying to be the, you know, I'm not going to say necessarily we're trying to be Google, but you know, in the early stages, you think, you know, huge, you're 20, you have no idea. And you know, you want to be that huge thing. And then I got to go work for something like that and see how intense it is if you were actually ever get there. And neither one of those sides of things were things that I was interested in. You know, I'm definitely interested in a business and you know, some sort of technology within that business, but I'm on a much smaller scale, at least to begin with. That's just what I'm looking for right now at this stage in my life, you know. What was the feedback from people, especially in that beginning stages when you are 20, 21, 22, and you've raised capital, you've gone out to California, you're, you know, you're living, as you said, the dream. And you tell people, hey, I'm already starting to feel burnout on this and, you know, they're looking at you like you're crazy because you're 22. You probably shouldn't be burnt out on anything, right? But you already knew that was happening and saying, I can't keep, like, this is not going to last 10, 20 years. I can barely get there, you know, for a couple of years. What, what was everyone else thinking? Like either partners in the company, family, friends, did they resonate with your message or were they like, Rob, no, come on, you're young. You, you need to be doing this while you still can't. No, I think it was more that people resonated with it than anything else. Like actually inside even like the startup tech community, there were definitely murmurs. Everybody understood that this was a thing that people really could get burnt out that, 
you know, um, I mean, there were some people, some of the founders and stuff, you know, who kind of thought I had, you know, I had just bailed and I, you know, I wasn't going to be, you know, as successful as they were lead, lead the cool life. But I think for the most part, um, you know, especially people close to me, people I actually cared about their opinions about, um, they, they could see it taking its toll on me. You know, they could see I needed a change and they were very supportive of it. I think that, I think that everybody around me always believed I'd do something again, you know? And so they were very willing to stand by me while I kind of experimented with what exactly that's going to look like. So I, I was lucky to have a lot of support in life from all angles. That's nice. What does it look like now if we could kind of pigeonhole you, and this could be our question, into a day-to-day, what does your what is your life built around and how does it shape up? Sure. Oh, yeah. No, I think about that a lot. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, my ideal day, you know, I, I love to be focused on something I really care about, building a business, uh, working on my, my core skills for, you know, kind of the morning. You know, it's funny because this perfect day I'm going to outline is like, I feel like the almost the most common perfect day that you'll hear from anybody in this lifestyle. Like, um, I was cliche, perfect day for location indies, right? Work in the morning, nap in the afternoon, you know, reset, go work out. And then in the evening, do your kind of other random stuff and go have fun. That's, that's my perfect day, you know? And I think even though it is cliche, I think that is what I believe works best for me. Um, I definitely have more of my focus in the mornings and, um, you know, I'm not able to achieve as much in those evenings there, but, um, yeah. I think for entrepreneurs, especially someone who is starting their own business, or even if you're freelancing, but it's, it's kind of based on you, right? Your income is, uh, we talk a lot about that betting on yourself based on you, what you're bringing in. I think the mornings are crucial because you wake up almost fresh. Like you forget about the responsibility, troubles, weights that you might be feeling. Cause you wake up, you're like, all right, Cool. Uh, usually super excited, super enthusiastic because you, you are working on something that you want to do. And so for me, I know that when I'm in the morning and I'm in that mode, it's this, yeah, it's this almost weightless feeling of like, oh, this is fun again. And then after you get halfway through the day, you're like, oh, wait, there's all this other stuff I have to deal with. Okay. I'm kind of bogged down. And so I'm with you. I think that's why a lot of people's lives shape up that way is you can get through, you can be creative and then when like the real world hits you, you're like, all right, I can, I can slow it down a bit and just get away from it. Yeah, definitely. And sometimes it's hard to keep the focus on like the most important things in the morning because either they, you know, are overwhelming to you. So you start doing all the little random stuff. And then by the time you know it, you know, you've lost several hours and your, your focus is all split and stuff like that. So it's definitely like, it's, it's hard to get into that rhythm. I think in general, it's hard to be self-directed, you know, and it's a process is what I'm learning. It's like, it's not like, you know, sit down day one working for yourself and you're like golden, you're sticking to the schedule and you're like not getting distracted by anybody. It's every day gets a little bit better in some ways. And then maybe you slip back on some and you work on correcting it. And it's just a matter of improvement the whole way. Yeah. I have one friend out of every single person that I know who for whatever reason is the most motivated, focused human. He could sit down in the morning and be like, I'm going to, you know, code a whole website. And by afternoon, he sent it to me. How does it look? I'm like, this would have taken any normal human three weeks, but there's one person I know who could do it. Everyone else. Yeah. You, some days are better than others. Like today, for example, all this stuff 
to get done in the morning. Guess what got done? Nothing, right? Like barely anything. Yeah. So, and that happens and that happens. And I think that's one of the beauties though of the location independent lifestyle and building some of yourself. When you have one of those days, as long as it's not something that's super time sensitive, you say, all right, let me make it up tomorrow. Like I'm not going to beat myself up over this because you know, it's only really pressure that I'm putting on myself. And if I take that off, I'm okay with it. Definitely. I mean, and I've started to learn to build in a little bit more time on deadlines that I have to set. Um, if I can, right. I don't want to push anything too long, but like this company has reached out to me to do like an app review um, of their website and stuff like that, which is something I do. And, you know, I could have probably just nailed it like that day, but I was like, I'll get to you by mid next week. Cause I knew it wasn't a super time sensitive thing. So, cause there are other important things I have to take care of. So it gives me a little bit of flexibility on when I can actually accomplish that. It doesn't have to be so, so quick and on the spot. Cool. Let's talk about some of the things like you mentioned at the top of the show that you tried and failed, or you tried and just decided it wasn't for you. Because I think you were talking mostly about side hustle stuff, right? Because your, your app development, and that's, that's always been your core thing, or at least since you started freelancing was, was app development and app reviews and things like that. Correct. Yes. What about the stuff that you're saying, all right, the app stuff is cool. I know I could do it. I can make money, but here's a passion project. Here's a side hustle that I'm trying to build into a lifestyle. Give us just a brief rundown of the things you've tried and, and if, you know, if they worked, why they didn't work, you know, kind of little anecdotes and quips about each one of those. Sure. Oh yeah. Um, so a few that are coming to mind. Um, it's funny cause I kind of keep going back to one. So that's why I'm trying to refocus on it again. But you know, two years ago, probably I was trying to work on this local activities database and had a site and still up called SF activities. And I was just kind of documenting what was going on around there kind of was a little bit like a, like a Yelp in a sense. It was just kind of a business directory, but I was trying to figure out where to go with it and just never really did anything. I think, you know, I, I, I got to watch this trap for myself of, I really like building the product and I really don't like to push it out there. You know, I, I really kind of struggle on the marketing side and getting the word out there. I don't know how much of that is just playing fear and how much of it is just not being very good at that. Um, but so that's definitely one major uh, area I'm looking to improve, but so that was a really fun product. Um, and I'm trying to do something actually out here while I'm based in Rhode Island, I'm actually trying to put together a similar site and reach out to business owners. Cause now I think, okay, well, if that, if that directory isn't necessarily going to work, can I provide business services to the actual operators? You know, like, do they need web design? Do they need SEO? All that kind of stuff. It's not necessarily something I'm as personally passionate about, but maybe it's a quicker opportunity to, you know, generate revenue. So I've been really kind of, I've probably explored 10 to 12 approaches in that general theme, which I think is actually kind of a good thing to, to look within one general topic. But uh, that's been one, another one I've been like super interested in, but I know it's probably way too big to do for, especially for a side hustle is, um, like a borrowing lending service. And, you know, I think we've chatted a little bit in the community about, you know, what do you do if you don't have a kayak or a bike and all this kind of stuff? Like, could you set up some sort of borrowing system or even actually a renting system with inflatable kayaks? I, I've, I've really kind of tried to dig into that stuff. Um, and it's funny because uh, one of the guys in my in my mastermind, and he's been on this for the spotlight, is Mitko. And uh, you know, I think he was sharing on this that he tried to do the same thing back, you know, a long time ago. So I think there's a lot of interest in it, but it's it's too big. I can't I can't possibly do that right now. 
Yeah, that is a huge, huge product. It, essentially, you're saying let's set up an eBay or or an Amazon style thing for for renting different outdoor gear or, or what have you, which, yeah, sounds awesome. And then you realize like, oh my gosh, there are a thousand moving parts to every little piece of this um, and going to be pretty difficult. I want to touch on on your idea though that you said because you, you've been working on it a couple of years, um, the idea with SF activities and stuff like that. What do you, like a lot of us have, have ideas and we have a lot of ideas every day or every week going through our head. What's your take on the ideas that you have that you just can't seem to let go of? Because it seems like that is one, right? Like you've had this idea, started working on it, didn't do it, and it just keeps going. It's something that you can't kill. Explain that a little bit. Like how do you decide what to pursue and what to actually finally drop and say, no, this, like I'm done with this? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So I related a lot, you know, you, when you shared the Jetto story, um, you know, on one of the podcasts and you're talking about this, uh, having that nagging idea for a very long time, sometimes you just have to do it. And uh, I'm, I'm actually trying to figure that balance out still right now, you know, so this, I'd say this general idea of activities and for a while it had taken on a spin of almost like a meetup style thing, like actually trying to find people to do the things with. And I was, I've been obsessed with that idea for longer than like probably four years or something like that. And I had like an awesome brand around it and I just never really did anything. It was called Likewise. So it was all about finding your interests and like finding people who were connected to it. And I actually decided probably about a year ago, I was like, all right, I'm finally, I'm going to give up on this. Once it's not been done for long enough, I'm just going to let it go. And I actually like sold the name to this company who had reached out and I was like, sweet, this is like, now I can't, you know, think anything about this anymore. I've let it go. And I just can't let it go, you know? And so... Uh, <laughs> you buy the name back for like 10 times what you sold it for oh, or something yeah. silly, I mean, right? I wish that, you know, they actually kind of launched and I'm like, just hoping that they fail, you know, I can get the name back. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's a balance. I think I, I do tend to side on the fact that if it has been with you for that long, it's probably something you should pursue. Um it's a matter for me of how to, you know, actually go ahead and go forward on that. But I do believe that that's the case. If, if, because, you know, I, I've tried a bunch of things in the past where they were things that I was doing because I thought that they could be big or make a bunch of money, but I didn't really care about them. And so this, you know, nagging idea is clearly something that you care about. It's clearly something that comes up a lot in your life. And I've struggled to stick with ideas for longer than a year or two. And so it's, I guess, a good sign when you have something that continues coming up year after year after year. Yeah. And I would, I would agree with that, that if you have this idea that you just can't kill, usually for me, it was hoping someone else would build it so that I, I wouldn't have to think of it anymore. Like, Oh no, they did it. Now it's gone. Like I can't do it. And no one ever did. No one ever did. No one ever did. And it was two years and three years. And finally, you know, there comes a point where if something is that hard to kill and, and that many people maybe ask you about, or you just see a need for it. Yeah. Sometimes you just have to buck up and be like, all right, I'm going to tell everyone about this. I'm going to find someone to help me do it because that's what happened with me. Robin, we talked about that with the app development. I couldn't build an app myself, but if I told enough people and kind of brought it up, it was, there was going to be someone I found that could help me do that part. And, and that is eventually what happened what happened there with Jetto. Um, and then, you know, then it existed finally after four years of ruminating around and bouncing around in my brain. Um, 
And you do a quick side note there is like, you know, the importance of putting things out there, you know, yeah. like it's sometimes you don't know how things are going to turn out till years down the road. Right. So if you, you know, it's taking those little actions, whether it's talking about it with someone or just throwing up that site. And, you know, um, this, I mentioned earlier that someone asked me to do an app review. I haven't done one in probably seven months or something like that. And I never had someone pay me for it, but I just put up like 25 app reviews on YouTube, forgot all about it. And then this company reached out and wanted one. I was like, I forgot I even had that up there. You know, so it, sometimes it is just the little actions. And sometimes um, even though it can feel like things are really disconnected and you don't feel like you have a plan, sometimes like things will just fold into place a little bit if you keep taking the steps and keep taking the actions. Yeah. And one of those interesting points too, I think when you have an idea that, that is too big for you or, or, or seems overwhelming, like I did with the app, I knew the app would work, but I, it was overwhelming to get it done to get it made because I was not going to be the one to make it. If you put it out there and especially inside the community, and that's one of the reasons it exists, you just keep talking about it. And all of a sudden you start to find a person who can do this or a person who can do that. And so instead of saying, hey, this is too big for me, now you've got two people going at it or three or four, you know, and all of a sudden you start biting off little pieces and, and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And all of a sudden this huge project that you wouldn't be able to take on alone has a life of its own because there's more than just one person thinking about it, working on it, you know, sharing a skill set, stuff like that. So that can be a big, big plus too when it comes to something that you can't kill, but you might not be able to invest all your time into bringing someone on or bringing on a few people who might be able to help is one way to go about it, I think as well. Right. And can you also scale that idea back to something that is buildable? You know, and right. that's a good idea no matter what you do. But, you know, if, um, you know, if a big lending borrowing service is too big, well, could you do one in your neighborhood? You know, could right. you do one, you know, in your state, right? There's always ways to bring it back. Yeah. Now you do a really cool thing, something that, that has inspired me throughout the last six, eight months. I can't remember exactly how long, but you decided that you were going to go on the road and, and lead a bit of van life. Um, something that I was always passionate about and always wanted to do and inspired me to, to go and do my own trip as well. In the van. So let's touch a little bit about that. How long it, like, how long it actually took you to get on the road, where you went, was it worth it? Do you love it? Like, let's just dig into this idea <laughs> yeah. of van life. Oh man, it was, it's, it's been such an awesome journey. So, I mean, I've been thinking about this for a long, long, long time. I think probably partly the term, like I, I lived in California for like six years. So it was so expensive. So I think random thoughts would just come up about like, Oh, wouldn't it be awesome to just like live in a van or, you know, or like buy an RV. And um, so I think probably like three and a half years ago or so, um, my wife and I did like a really short RV trip down, um, the California coast and it was awesome. And I think it kind of definitely got the gears spinning that this is something I might want to do for a longer term. And so we had talked for at least about the past year. Um, I think I joined location in the last October and it was about then that we wanted to do something different. You know, I loved California, but we were looking to change it up. And, you know, the cost was getting to us, being away from family that long was getting to us. And so, you know, I started planting the seed, I think, in my wife's head. She, she is used to hearing my crazy stories, you know, and my crazy dreams. And she's been amazingly supportive. And, but I, I don't think she takes them seriously for a while, you know, until I start to actually make progress on them. Um, and that's totally fair, uh, yep. <laughs> but, you know, so I think the way I kind of convinced her to do this was that 
you know, we'd spend extra time with her family, you know, when we got around. And that was a big deal for both of us, really. I mean, we hadn't spent probably more than four or five days consecutively with our families in five years, you know. And so I was like, oh, yeah, but if we do this, if we go and travel for two months, we'll get to spend two months with your family, you know. And then I think she was she was pretty much in at that point. And so back in, uh, we started really talking about it in the beginning of the year or actually late last year and um, bought the van in March, I want to say. Um, so, you know, we realized that there was this golden time for us and, um, you know, it, we kind of just saw it as, so I was on a contract at Google and um, it was a two year contract and it was ending in June. And then also our roommates wanted to go like in a different direction with the apartment. And so they were like, yeah, I mean like, look, no rush, but sometime maybe this summer, you guys, you know, (laughs) have a different direction. Um, And so we were like, well, you know, this is perfect. You know, like there's not going to be a better time. We got to just do this. Um, And so we, we committed, we were going to leave mid June and bought the van in March. And then it was a matter of, you know, (laughs) building it out and dealing with, uh, you know, everything that went wrong pretty quickly on the van. <laughs> um, you know, we bought a little bit of a lemon, it turns out. So, but, you know, that's just one of the things I, you know, it was a little bit of a bummer because I thought I did everything right. You know, I took it to a mechanic and they were like, oh, it's got a couple of things. And I slept on it for a night. And then I was like, all right, we're just going to do it. And, you know, we definitely had some issues with it before we even got on the road. But so you, know, you did I, everything right. You had some issues. I did everything wrong. Literally bought it in an hour. No mechanic looked at it. And I haven't had any issues yet. So I don't know. I know. I know. That's so awesome. much for planning, awesome. right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and but I think the, the you know, I was just listening to your podcast that just came out. And like I think the key component though that like even though a lot of things were going wrong with it, and like things kind of continued to go wrong in some ways. I mean, we had an absolutely incredible time, but you know, you have things come up. But for us, and I think for you, like you talked about, it wasn't like a massive amount of money, right? Like it wasn't like I bet my whole life and my career on this. And if it didn't work, I was, I was done. And, you know, I think we spent, a, I'd say actually our, our journey to location independence was probably two years in the making because that's when we really started working on our personal finances and getting completely out of debt and getting a handle on exactly what was happening with our money. And I think like, that's critical. Like if I can say anything to like, you know, people who are considering this is like, get a handle on your own personal finances. Um, and it's going to look different for everybody, but I just have so much less stress about all this stuff because I know we're okay. Like I know we have like, you know, savings to fall back on if things don't go well. And like, you know, that means we can just get an apartment somewhere and get a local job or whatever it might need to be. It's, it was absolutely the most important thing we did. And you, you made a good point there. You said that was about two years in the making, correct? Like you started thinking, even if you didn't know you were going to get a van or anything, you started thinking about possibly making a break from Google. You had a two-year contract. What do you want to do after that? Hey, we're not sure what it's going to look like, but let's get a hold on our finances because then if we are afforded this opportunity, we know whether we can do it or not instead of just saying, oh yeah, let's try it. But if it doesn't work out, we're screwed. Right. No, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's super, super important. Can you give an example, a quick example of what that looked like in the beginning, just even for someone starting out saying, all right, like I want to do this in the future too. How, like, what did you do to get an idea on your finances? Did you go through a program? Do you start using a budgeting software? Is there any tips and tricks that you would say, this really helped us begin the process? Sure. Uh, yeah. Well, when we started thinking about it, we, we kind of 
we're in this little bit desperate emotional spot, not necessarily financial, even though we were in debt and all that kind of stuff, but we were realizing that like, we felt that we had to move. Like, like we had no choice. We couldn't stay in California anymore. And that wasn't really true, but we just had all this stress around us. And so we, I, we ended up kind of hearing about Dave Ramsey. Um, so some people in the community have heard about him. It's, you know, it's not a light program, <laughs> you know, it's a get out of debt quick, you know, in the next, you know, with intensity program. And like, he, you know, I really followed that to a T. It took me a few months to actually buy into it. Um, but, you know, he's got the baby steps and get out of debt and then get an emergency fund. And then you can save up for your, you know, your own goals and stuff like that. So that's where we started. Um, he has a podcast that I listen to. He's kind of a, you know, he's not so nice all the time, um, but it's kind of funny. It's like real world stuff. So I, it kept me motivated and, you know, we did some side jobs and all that kind of stuff and really got, got focused there. What was the experience like then when you got on the road with the van? Because this is a long process. You said two years, Bay Area is draining you emotionally like some other people here are talking about, right? And I can understand that. Like when you just have this weight of such such expectation and also so much cost with everything, it can be this this weight that lives on you, even if you make enough money, right? It, like just because you have the money to do it doesn't mean that's where you want your money to go, right? right. Uh, especially when you look around the country or the world and say, well, what's so great about this area of the country that I like, is it three times better than living somewhere else? Cause that's what it's costing me. So you, so you start this process, you say, we got to get out of here. You get in the van. Was there a moment then in the last six to eight months? Now that that's come to fruition, you're kind of your goal and your dream of coming to fruition. You're in the van where you sat back and thought, all right, like all of it was worth it. Here I am. This is what I was shooting for. And, and I've got this piece that it's been, that it's been a long process, but it all led to this moment. Yeah. I think it literally happened like an hour after we left, but <laughs> as we started driving, like we pulled over, you know, to a target or something like that to pick something up. And like, I just like had this immediate, like, you know, <laughs> feeling of positivity about how everything had happened, you know, and like suddenly all the things that were challenging felt like really really worth it. And, um, you know, I think it was, it was really important for me because like you said, it's, you got to think about things in relationship to other things. You can't think about them in black and white terms. Like is California amazing? Absolutely. Is it three times more amazing than some other places? Probably than some other places for sure. But you know, is it three times more amazing than everywhere? No. And, and that's, I think honestly, one of the most important things I got out of this trip so far was seeing so many other things and realizing that there's amazing things out there, you know, no matter where you go, like there's so many beautiful places in this country. And I mean, I've done a little bit of international travel, but we've really kind of stayed mostly uh, national and we plan to mostly because we have a dog um, and we don't want to leave him for as long as it takes to do that. But, you know, there are amazing places out there um, that, you know, you can go check out for a little bit or you can spend a lot of time in, I mean, it was really important for me to let go. I think of California, you know, California is incredible, but everybody there does kind of brainwash you <laughs> like nowhere outside California is good enough. And I, I do love California, but that's not true. Right. And there's no one saying you can't go back. That's the other thing. You've done it before. You've been there. You, you experienced it. You know, you could financially pull it off. It, it might be giving up other stuff, but if you leave that area or, and this can go, 
a multitude of ways with people with their jobs, whatever it is we're talking about cutting the cord with. There's no one saying that you can't go back and do it again if you experience stuff and say that was neat. But guess what? There was a reason I was there and it is as amazing as I want it. Or just five years later, I do want to go back there. Whatever it is, you go back and you do it. But without having the perspective of what else is outside of your, your bubble, whether it be job, whether it be um, type of work, whether it be location, you can't make a, an educated decision on what you want because you don't know the other side. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. What has been for you then with the van life? Have You talked about that one, like just stopping at a target, that moment you're like, all right, this is it. I'm happy. What have been some of the coolest things that you've seen or done in in these, what has it been, six, uh, six months? Well, months? It, was, it was two months on the road, pretty much. So we left mid-June. Um, we were like kind of in between, I mean, homeless by choice, we, you know, we would say for like a week before. Um, and so, yeah, it was about two months actually on the road. And then we took a little break in South Carolina to visit my sister for like 10 days, um, almost two weeks. And then we did another road trip up there to Rhode Island where we are now. Um, I mean, wow, well, man, we saw so many awesome things. Uh, I think my favorite place, well, let me rewind a second. So the first two weeks of that, we actually spent in California. Um, we went and did, you know, a lot of time down the coast. So we were actually in places that, um, for the most part, we had been somewhere, um, in that area before, maybe not to all the exact spots, but it was something I wanted to do. Just like you said, to see, you know, maybe I want to come back here, you know, like maybe I will want to move and down South where the, the sun is out more and the beaches are there and everything like that. And I think that was really helpful for us because it allowed us to ease into it. You know, we kind of knew what was there and we knew it wasn't going to be that drastically different. Um, and so that was a really awesome time. And, um, after that, uh, after that, our van broke down, (laughs) So you know, right. Basically on the way, like not even kidding, like on our way through like Palm Springs, starting to climb up, it's 110 and eh, we overheated right there. So, uh, that, wasn't as fun <laughs> but you know you you just kind of keep moving i called my friend who's a mechanic we stayed you know overnight somewhere and he was like i think you guys can make it to sedona so we were like we hope so and we did it we we actually made it there and then it fully broke down there but it broke down in the best possible spot right yeah, I mean, not a bad place to be oh God, it's incredible there it's 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 possibly my favorite place um i mean it's really really incredible it's like living in a national park I mean, it's like if you've ever been to Yosemite and there's Yosemite Valley, it's like literally living inside Yosemite Valley. And it's um, it's just an incredible place. Um, and it's got, you know, they, they say it's like like a spiritual vortex. And so the energy was different. And, um, you know, I think we kind of like felt it a little bit because where we broke down, we were just like, we just walked over to this amazing rock monument. And we were just like standing, looking at it. And then this family... Um, from North Carolina comes up, the guy's like an airplane mechanic. And he's like, I'll come take a look at your van. And we're like, Oh my God, this is amazing. You know, we chatted with them for an hour. He kind of helped me diagnose it. And it was just, it was incredible. You know? So those are the things that you can't have unless you go, unless you go do it. Um, So that was definitely, I think our our top stop. And and I'm, I'm happy about that because that was the number one stop I wanted to go to. I had high expectations for it. And I've been let down before by high expectations. But um, that one held up, even with nice. it. Right now, so. Nice. Yeah. Sometimes it's just that 
I, I don't want to say that cosmic force, whatever you believe in, but sometimes it's just, you got yourself out there, you put it out there, you got on the trip, place you wanted to go was a place you might have spent a little more time than you thought would, uh, you thought you would, but yeah, I can't have much of a better place to break down than in Sedona. What does it look like for you going forward now? So what, yeah. what do you envision? And again, the cool thing about location dependence is lifestyle is it's going to change. We know that. We might not know how, but in your head right now, what do you envision for the next six months, for the next year? What's the ideal situation for you? Sure. Yeah. So we actually, I think, have a somewhat firm plan for the next six months. So, um, and we're here, we've been in Rhode Island for about a month and we'll be here for about another month. And then we're doing a two week, calling it like the fall foliage drive. Um, so we're heading up north a little bit more to Maine, New Hampshire, Vermont, and then making our way down all the mountains and see. Um, all the colors. It just actually, the timing works perfectly for it. So really, really excited for that. Like not in a rush because I've actually had an amazing time here in Rhode Island and getting to catch up with with family and, and actually settle down a bit, you know, slow down. Um, you know, because I think I had once again, kind of high and inaccurate expectations of what it was going to be like when I got on the road. I was like, I'm going to like start working on a new business and I'll like work out like, you know, body weight stuff right outside the van. And it was just not like, that. <laughs> you know, it was fast. It was, you know, you're staying in a new place almost every night and trying to figure all that stuff out every day. A lot of your mental energy and effort goes to that. So I think we kind of took that to heart. And so we're doing this next trip, uh, which I'm really looking forward to, but then we're going to, likely uh head down to florida after that um i cannot handle the cold at all anymore <laughs> um and so we're going to be down there probably from november to april ish um so we're actually going to find a short term try to find a short term rental hopefully somewhat furnished because all we have is the things in our van <laughs> and then um you know i think we the the reason we're going that route is twofold one like i said we've been traveling so fast and it's really hard for at least me and and my wife to kind of like settle down to a rhythm enough to actually get things done and if i want to make this sustainable i have to do that you know i have to actually get some place where i know roughly how my day is going to look and where i'm going to work and the wi-fi all that kind of stuff and for me that's important and um you know i think we've also realized that uh, especially in the u.s and i'm still exploring things but if we don't stay at least for like three months somewhere, we're in kind of short-term vacation rental territory and it's the most expensive way to stay somewhere. So, you know, we're looking something in the four to six month range, hopefully where we can, um, you know, negotiate the price down to a reasonable amount and stuff. And um, Florida is not too crazy on prices. So hopefully, but if, you know, if people in the community have suggestions about, you know, other ways to look at that, but that's kind of where we're at right now. Yeah, trying to find that sweet spot, both in price and then for you of, hey, we don't want to stay here too long because one of the goals of this whole van life and, and the life that you're leading is to get out and see stuff. But you don't want it to be so quick that A, you don't get to dig in a bit and B, I'm with you, that you don't get to set a routine. It usually takes me a good two weeks, even when I come home to a place that has all my stuff in it, if I've been traveling to feel like, all right, it's time to go to the gym again. It's time to go into my office. It takes me a, yeah, a good 10 days to two weeks to get settled again into some sort of routine. And I think a lot of times people hear routine, they location dependent to travel. It's like routine is a bad word, but I think uh, we know, and, and people who are listening who have lived that life know that routine is like, it can be this amazing where it can be one of the best things that you can do is settle into a routine, especially when you know 
there's something on the other side. It's not a routine for 10 years. It's like, hey, this is a routine for a couple of months. It's going to be fun. Then I'm going to get to get out and explore a little bit more again, which is kind of yeah. nice. I definitely have a love-hate relationship with routine, <laughs> you know, and, and getting set up somewhere. Like I, I definitely do better with it, but over time I want to change things up and, and explore. So I, I'm really leaning towards the home base route with, you know, two to four months of travel, um, you know, spliced in there. Um, so we'll see how that unfolds. Yeah. Routine's great until you get restless and uh, it happens to me a lot quicker than I always think it's going to happen. Right? Oh, routine's great. I've settled in. And then two weeks later, like, I got to get out of here. Um, yeah. For you, and we've talked a lot about like the obstacles and the, and the things that you've done to build this location independent life. What has been the most important part of the location indie community? Where has the community shined in helping you get onto this journey and really get moving with it? What do you appreciate about it most? Oh man, I, you know, I got, a, I really did get a lot out of it. And, you know, part, I, I, I took advantage of what was given to me, you know, inside the community. Like there's so much going on. There's so many different classes and workshops and accountability groups. And, you know, if you, if you actually take advantage of those things, you know, that's where you're going to see the most results. And I think that the most, the most basic thing that it did for me was just remind me on a daily or really as frequently as I wanted to basis that there were people doing this and that this isn't some pipe dream because um, I think, like I said earlier, I have very supportive people around me and they, uh, they see what I'm doing and like are rooting for me, but they don't fully understand or they don't think that this is really something that's maybe super responsible or, you know, they kind of just think more traditionally about, you know, the, you know, get buying a house or getting a, you know, career path established, all that kind of stuff. And um, to see these other people who are, and I love the way actually Jason uh, is here right now, like the experimenting with it, right. It's like, I see people just trying things like, let's see how this one goes. You know, this is what uh, I want to do right now. And people are actually going for it. So I think just having that constant reminder that it's possible was the most basic thing. And I'd say the second um probably most practical thing I got out of it was I met my mastermind group through Location Indie. Um, and they're awesome. Um, I really, really love it. Uh, and having just people who can both chat through the things that you need to talk with, but also just kind of be there to bounce things off when, you know, uh, when you need it or you need a boost. It's probably one of the best things I was looking for because I, for a long time, was thinking I needed like a coach and I still might want to go that route, but having like a nice intimate group who gets to know you very, very well um, and having them all believe in the same lifestyle and are out there killing it is awesome. Yeah. Let's give a shout out to people in your mastermind group. Cause if you've listened to other members of the months, other members spotlights, you've heard some of these people's story. And this is to me, the essence of why a mastermind group is so important is that you've heard other people in Rob's mastermind group story because they're all pushing each other to go further, 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 further. And they're all leveling up each other at the same time that they're doing it for themselves. So who, who is in your mastermind group? Yeah. So it's, it's like kind of like an all-star group, you know, <laughs> it's, I love them so much. So we got, um, we got Haley Akins, um, and we got Jeremy Enns, who's a big, uh, like, podcast guy um Haley was you know a member of the month i don't know six months ago then i got mitko carvash i still can't say it and i, I tell him that all the time um but 
uh, Mitko. And then uh, we originally had uh, Ray, Ray Blackney. Um, so he was in the group, but he's just, he's crushing it right now and just like has to focus on his business. Um, but yeah, so I, everyone is crushing it. They've all been the members of the month, I think. So, um, and it's, it's crazy to me because it's, it's kind of funny. I had put out a post inside the group and I was like, hey, I'm looking to join someone's mastermind. And then Ray was like, yeah, I'm interested in the one you're starting. And I was like, oh, okay, I guess I'm starting a mastermind now. Um, and so just kind of put the word out to, to some cool people and, and it's, it's going really awesome. Yeah. And I think one of the points you made a tiny bit earlier is that there's a huge difference between support and those of us who have family and friends support, are, obviously we're lucky to have that as opposed to someone saying, no, don't do this and, and poo-pooing your dream, right? But there's a big difference between support and actually being able to be in the trenches with you and understand what you're saying and give you advice and feedback from a spot of like, yes, I know what you're talking about and I'm there too versus, oh yeah, it's cool. You should go for it. And I think that's the big difference between being in a community like Location Indie and just being on the outside and listening to a podcast and saying, hey, this is really great, which it is, but you actually get to speak to the people who are in the trenches as well. And that's a big difference when it comes to, to pushing you further. And I think as you spoke to the next step, then an even further step is then joining a mastermind group and having that intimate group of people who meet once a week or once every two weeks, who not only are in the trenches with you, but now really know you pretty well in a way that probably not many other people know about your entrepreneur journey. And that just helps everyone level up, which is pretty sweet, man. So big, big congrats to you and big congrats and shout out to everyone who's in that group. All awesome people. You guys are crushing it. And, and that's, that's just a benefit and, and a testament to all of the hard work that's going in from every one of those people. So um, awesome, Rob. Super great chatting with you. Obviously, your story is inspiring to me, not just the van life stuff, but everything that you're doing with building an app. There's a ton of synergy there with, with our stories. Remind people one more time how they can come find you. And of course, if they are a member location and listening to this, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Sure. Uh, yeah. So you can find more about me at my site. It's robsanchez.me. Um, and if you're looking for some van photos and stuff like that, I, you can go robsanchez.me slash van life. Um, it has, you know, all the photos. I wasn't very good about documenting it along the way, but I, you know, I put some photos up there uh, for people to check out. And then, you know, there's my app designs and all that kind of stuff on there as well. Um, yeah. And then if you're in location, indie, just shoot me a message anytime. I'm really interested in you know just meeting people i was lucky to meet up with casey um out in arizona and uh i'm supposed to go meet with greg tomorrow uh greg jackson but uh we'll see about the rain and all that kind of stuff so but you know it's really awesome i, I love connecting with people in the community so and we will be seeing each other at um in denver in I'm so excited in i don't need now it's like two weeks away so if you guys yeah. are listening to this when it comes out, it might be too late. I'm not sure with the timing, but we're doing our LI meetup in Denver in person. We've got 30 people coming from around the world. Rob is one of them. I'll be there. Our whole team will be there. And uh, I think that, that's just even that further step we talked about. It's like the community is one step, mastermind another step, meeting in person. You just keep forming closer and closer and closer bonds. And, uh, and that's exactly what we're trying to do inside the community. So I'll be seeing you there and we'll be hanging out, talking vans, playing some ping pong, you know? playing some ping pong <laughs> talk location, depends, talking apps, doing it all. Um, and we'll be hanging out with 29 of our closest location independent friends as well. So thank you, Rob. Super appreciate you coming on. 
thank you for being an amazing member. Like we said, it's not just Rob here telling his story, but all the enthusiasm and energy and advice that you bring into the Location A community has been a huge boon and benefit for every single person there. So thank you so much for being an awesome member, man. Well, thanks everyone, uh, you know, the whole team and everybody a part of Ally. Yeah, if you guys are listening and you want to find out more about Location Indie, you can go to locationindie.com. That's I-N-D-I-E.com. You can sign up for the email newsletter if you're not a member yet. And we'll let you know the next time that the community is open because it's only open a few times a year. So thanks for listening, guys. And we will all chat soon. Thanks, Rob. Yeah. Thank you for joining us today on our very special monthly bonus episode where we highlight a Location Indie member and their story. If you're interested in joining Location Indie and learning more about what goes on in our community, check us out at locationindie.com. You can hop on the newsletter and be the first to know when the community opens up again. We'll chat with you soon. See you next time. Peace.